0: Welcome to St James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith. This podcast features edited highlights from our Sunday service held on October 23rd, 2022. To find out how to join us and for more general information, please go to www.stjamesleith.org.uk. welcome to everybody here today. My name is Yusuf Guljari, I am a minister in the Scottish Episcopal Church in the Diocese of Edinburgh and I'll be leading the service today and morning to, to Zoom. Um, you're all very welcome. We continue with our theme today of postures in prayer and in our Gospel readings we find two people with differing postures praying. And it may be revealing their different understandings of their relationship with God. But we'll hear more about that as we are led by Ian, our rector, in the reflection today. As we light a candle, we invite those on Zoom to light their candle. We listen to the singing bowl and in the silence reflect on how God shines a light into our lives and through us to those around us. with nature in its power and beauty with rain and wind and sunshine with the ancient rocks and the budding flower with believers and seekers the whole world wide with people in every land and speakers of every language with the angels and saints in heaven and with all who have worshipped in this place.
1: We gather in
0: praise. With Jesus, who promised his presence and the spirit who showers her blessings.
1: We gather in praise.
0: Here, let heaven and earth embrace. Here, may God's people find home. You're invited to stand to sing our first song from South Africa, Amen. God Welcomes All. Standing as we continue in prayer, trusting in God's forgiveness, let us in silence confess our failings and acknowledge our part in the pain of the world. Come home to yourselves and to each other. May all that is unfree in you be released and may you blossom into a future graced with love. Amen.
2: to God. Glory to God. Glory to the Father. Glory to God. Glory-
0: sit. We say together the collet for this Sunday. Merciful God, teach us to be faithful faithful in change and and uncertainty, that trusting in your word and obeying your will, we may enter the unfailing joy of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We remain seated as we're led by the music group in our psalm is on the sheet. <laughs> say together glory to God source of all being eternal word and Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning is now and shall be forever amen
1: Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying like this, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like the tax collector. This is the gospel, the good news for all. Please be seated. Let us pray. Loving God, we thank you for your word this morning. And we thank you for Jesus, for his life and his teaching. that gives us so much wisdom, that challenges us out of complacency and has the potential to transform us and change us. So I pray this morning that you would open our ears and our hearts to listen deeply so that we may be changed. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning to everyone and uh, it 's lovely to have you Yusuf leading our worship uh, this morning so i 'm going to follow on a little bit uh, from what Robert talked about last week, which is posture posture of prayer, which is really if prayer is relationship with God is how we come before uh, God, how we engage with god what what is our uh, posture um, And our gospel reading is one, I think, one of the more straightforward uh, parables told by Jesus with a direct message comparing two contrasting types of people, two contrasting postures of prayer. One, the Pharisee, the other, the tax collector. And in many ways, it needs a little commentary, except to say, I think, that it's easy for us to miss the shock value of those who were listening, because we're so used to Jesus' criticism of the Pharisees that we um, see them as the bad guys in many ways, when in fact they were highly respected. They were dependable, often dependable, honest, upright, good neighbours, payer of ties uh, of money to good causes, generous givers, and contributors to... The community and similarly on the other side tax collectors were not just civil servants doing their job but were actually hated collaborators in a system that oppressed many of the Jewish uh, population cause, causing them to live in grinding poverty so we have this deliberate contrast between perceived good people good person and a perceived bad person and a de- deliberate reversal of normal thinking, designed, I think, to shake us and the listeners out of any sense of complacency. But as always with Jesus, I think there, there are two directions of travel uh, that happen through the Gospels. In fact, I think through the, through the Bible. Firstly, there's this ever outward expansive direction that's constantly teaching people that God's love has no limits, that God's embrace is much wider than the listeners think. And it's really, it is a direction of inclusivity, that God's love is not just confined to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. But it also includes all types of Gentiles. It includes the hated Samaritans. It includes people in the Roman Empire, the oppressors, Roman centurions. It uh, includes the outcasts, the lepers. It includes the tax collectors, the hated tax collectors. Uh, It includes women, it includes prostitutes, it includes the homeless, and so on and so on. It's this widening embrace. And secondly, the other direction of travel is an inward direction that searches out our motivation and the driving force behind our actions. And I think this is what, uh, this inner transformation is what Jesus is interested in. And it's a, uh, an inner transformation that Jesus calls us on and the disciples. I think we can often, we can replace ourselves, uh, the teaching that he's giving the disciples is teachings that uh, we can take on. And in this, he's actually challenging the motivation of the outwardly good person, the Pharisee, and suggesting that he's not doing these things out of a love of God or his neighbour, but actually to look and feel good about himself. And the giveaway uh, line, or the litmus test to what Robert was saying, about, uh, referring to as a posture of prayer, is, "God, I thank you that I'm not like them." That's how he's coming to. God. He's comparing himself with other people, he's judging them, and by so doing, enabling himself to feel superior, while at the same time, actually drawing a line, putting a huge barrier between himself and those he considers inferior. I think that that is a danger of uh, people uh, in churches that we put our barrier, we put barriers to those who we perceive are uh, not like us. And the Pharisee is utterly convinced and secure in his own righteousness and in his own efforts. And in contrast, the tax collector has no such illusion, and his posture for prayer is made evident when he says, God, be merciful to me, I am a sinner. There are no ego games being played, instead a searing honesty and self-awareness of who he is. There are no masks but a revealing of the self to God in a raw and vulnerable way. And I think this is what pleases God, to come as our real selves as much as we are able. Because often I don't think we... God in our relationship begins to uncover our real selves and we we begin to understand ourselves increasingly. So, it then becomes what I call real-to-real, a relationship with the real God uh, and the real us. And that's when we become open to receive divine grace and healing. And then we, like the tax collector, we make the shift from no longer being secure in our own righteousness and efforts, but increasingly secure in the grace and love of God. And the more this change happens, the more the games can stop the more we can stop striving to be seen to be doing good and doing the right things. And the more we don't need to criticize or blame others to make ourselves feel superior. And in a homily by Richard Rohr, I know many of you know uh, Richard Rohr's teaching, uh, he says that it shows two types of religious uh, people, those like the Pharisee and those like the tax collector. And with great respect to the great man, because I think he's a wonderful uh, exposition uh, of the scriptures, I do think this is a little bit dualistic. I think we tend to move between these postures of prayer. At times we adopt the position of the Pharisee, conscious or subconsciously, comparing ourselves to others, judging them so that we can feel better about ourselves. And i know it feels a sort of trivial example but it's very easy to get into that mindset i think this might be a male thing but certainly um, when i i uh, i was driving i used to uh, sort of criticize other drivers all the time actually one of my sons said dad you're always having a go at other drivers and actually the subplot of that is I'm a good driver, isn't it? They, they can't drive. I can, I, I can drive. It's very easy to be critical of other people with the, the the sort of underlying thing with actually, well, I'm okay. And it's very easy to slip into that pattern uh, of thinking. And then there are other times where, especially when we're struggling and feeling vulnerable, when we simply cry out to God, please hold me, please help me have mercy on me. I'm I'm at my wits' end, nothing more I can do. Please, please help me. And I think this is why the outsider has so much to teach us, because they're often at that point of help, and they come without artifice, without mask or pretense, and they have the gift of centering the whole community in Christ's love and grace. They're often not secure in their own righteousness, but in the love and grace of God. And in many ways, it's a very liberating place to be. And I think it, it's a lifelong journey because we are hardwired culturally in our upbringing to believe that God's love is linked to what we do or what we don't do. And we might, we might hear it all that, that our salvation, our healing is the grace of God, but actually to believe it in here Is a lifelong journey. And I repeat what I've said many times when I've uh, preached there is nothing we can do to make God love us more, and there is nothing we don't do that can make God love us less. And we just need to keep hearing that message. And as we make the lifelong journey of trying to do things to gain love and acceptance, to a move to understanding that we are already loved and accepted. And we're already in that place. The more open we are uh, to what Paul says, working out our salvation with fear and trembling. The more we become co-creators with God in our own healing. And as we do that, the more we become a transformative presence in our world. As we are transformed, we will then have the ability, or we, we will do it naturally, to transform others. And I think one of the reasons in uh, the Gospels focus on one particular disciple, which is Peter, is because it shows this journey of transformation from a man secure in his own efforts to one who then becomes secure in God's love and grace. The mask he portrays to others are gradually broken down, and we see by the end of the Gospels, a naked Peter, as it were, in all his weakness and brokenness. And when Peter realises that Jesus still loves him after being de- denied three times, and we have that beautiful um, healing that Jesus takes, do you love me, do you love me, and he says, yes, I love you, yes, I love you, uh, healing the, the three denials. He knows, Peter knows where the foundation of his life lies. And from now on, there is no need for Peter to put on the cloak of bravado and act in certain ways to be loved. He totally knows in the very depth of his being that he is loved, that God is totally for him. And as I said, it's a supremely liberating foundation to begin to live by. And it's a foundation laid whereby he, Peter, can then be a transformative foundation for others. He can be the rock on which Jesus builds his church. And Jesus knows, I think at that point, that his work with Peter is done in many ways. So this short parable teaches us a posture of prayer, of coming uh, to God in relationship. For that is what the, the essence of prayer is, that we come with a degree of humility, that we're all in it together, that we are all flawed in some way. Lord, have mercy on me, I am a sinner. We also should come to God ready to be surprised, as Jesus always seems to overturn the idea of who's in and who's out, who's up, who's down, who's right and who's wrong. And we should come as far as we are able, without mask or pretense, so that we can encounter the divine real to real. And we come needing to let go of our need to judge and blame others, but leave those judgments to God, for it's clear that our judgments are often wrong. And that we should come to learn again and again and again that we are loved as we truly are. Amen.
0: so much uncertainty, anxiety, and worry for many. When leaders deliberate, we pray that those in power may find the right posture, not filled with thought for themselves, but rather concern for others. And whatever our postures, may we be moved through prayer, out of our complacency to a place of surprise, to encounter God anew. We pray for all our needs as we journey from this place and that the love of God will continue to shine through our lives to find new ways to touch the hearts of all.